Well, as Alex said, we're reading through the New Testament. And if you, uh, and the app is really great. If you download the app, some of you, it may be confusing trying to figure out the app and maybe you just don't even like apps or some people don't have a phone that, uh, you know, has ability to have apps or whatever the case is. You don't necessarily need to have the app. This next week, we're just reading through Acts. And so you can just find a Bible and read through. You can get a Bible online. You may have a copy of it. And the point isn't so much the app. It, it makes it easier. It, and there's fun because there's a lot of people on it doing it together. But we can all do it together just by reading through Acts together. And then each week we're taking a look at something either that we read that week or something that we're going to read. And this week we're looking at John chapter 14. And if you look at the reading, the reading that we're going through uh, for today on the app, but looking at together as a church, is looking at John and the last chapter in John that's for the reading today is John chapter 14, which we're looking at. But this also fits, and that, that really wasn't why I picked this passage. I, I figured that out after the case. <laughs> But I picked it up because we've been, uh, as we read through the whole Bible, we ended up looking at uh, Acts chapter 3 about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we've kind of had a maybe a, a series, sort of a topical series in a sense. But we're looking at, we've been looking at for like over a month now, maybe two months, I think, uh, different passages that explain what this baptism of the Holy Spirit is and why this is important to us and what this was that was happening in Acts chapter 3. And so we're continuing to do that because Jesus here is explaining to the disciples how he is going to be leaving them in sort of bodily form. He's going to die on the cross. God will raise him from the dead. He will walk around with them, but there will come a point when he has to leave and he says he, he has to leave, and he's going to uh, be up in heaven. And uh, this has been something that's been uh, difficult for the disciples to grab a hold of, but we're picking it up in sort of the middle of the conversation. At the end of the conversation, or towards the end, he gets to the point, he says, uh, verse 6 in chapter 16, of John, rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. What things that, that he's going to leave them, that him, the relationship that they have with him, where he has a body and he's walking around and talking to them, the, the relationship that we see when we read through the Gospels about Jesus and his disciples, that type of thing, that's not going to continue. And so they're sad about that. They're grieved about it. And he says, I, you're grieved that I'm telling you this. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the helper or the comfort, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is not going to happen. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And so what the conversation is about is the disciples having developed this relationship with Jesus that's in the context of Jesus has this body and he's walking and talking to them like friends or family in that kind of physical sense. They've developed this relationship with them and they're 
afraid that if this body leaves, that there's things that they value about that relationship that are going to change and that it's not going to be good news, it's going to be worse. That, that, you know, what he's talking about in terms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that that somehow isn't going to be as good as when Jesus was walking and talking with them. And that's a completely understandable thing to think of, because I often think the same thing. It's like, man, wouldn't it be great to be there when Jesus was walking and talking with you to be like one of the disciples and following Jesus in that type of sense, that would be the best. But Jesus is saying, no, what we have in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, maybe best isn't the right word, but it's as good or it's good in that sense. And what they had when they were walking and talking with Jesus, all that they had is available to us. Now, here's how the passage starts off. Now, some of yours, this section, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. In my version, in the New American Standard Version, that's not the one I'm looking at, but it's the one I started at as I prepared the sermon. It starts off with verse 16, uh, and and also, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever to the end of this age. Uh, some of yours, in the like, for instance, in the one that I have right here, it starts with verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So I'll just give a quick note since we're reading through the Bible to help us understand what this Bible is that we're looking at. What the Bible is that we're looking at is a copy of the original letter that John wrote. And as in much of history, we, we don't have the original source of the actual letter that, that John wrote. What we have is copies, just thousands, of, and, and in fact, probably more than any other literary piece in history, we have more copies, more transcripts of what John has written or of the Bible than any other literary piece to look at. And, and so in some of those copies, verse 15 is in the first section, and in some of those copies, verse 16 is in the second section. And the reason why in some versions it's in the top and some ver is because we're just not sure whether the original copy had it in the top or in the bottom. Because oftentimes when people make a copy, they'll adjust things. You know, whenever I look at a copy of things, I'll oftentimes adjust it to what I see as like making the most sense. And so that's one of the things as we're reading through when you see some differences between translations, it's not really a difference. We know that it's there, and it, we're going to talk about that verse. Uh, if you love me, keep my command. It, it comes up in the next section, but we're just going to start off with this and all also. Now, what is it that he's saying all also? He's saying at the beginning of the chapter, look, I need to go. I need to leave this bodily form, and I need to go up to heaven, and the reason why he gives two reasons why he needs to leave and the first is, he says, I need to prepare a place for you. And that's sort of another sermon. That's a, another section there. But the short of it is that the place, that, that, that what it is that the disciples have with Jesus or what it is that they found, there was a problem that they were having because they kept thinking it was about Jesus preparing a place for them here on earth. But Jesus has been telling them the whole time, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not preparing a place for you here on earth. I'm preparing you a place in heaven. And so me in bodily form here, I can't 
do what it is I need to do because what I need to do is prepare you a place up here. It's, I'm not gonna be able to prepare you a place down here. There's more to be said about that. But then he says, I need to go up to prepare a place for you. And I also need to go up so that the Holy Spirit will come down so that I can send the Holy Spirit down. I can ask the Father and the Father will send the Holy Spirit down. That, that's why there's a necessity that I, that I don't just stay with you, even though I could in bodily form, but that I go up, that there's an actual benefit to me going up. And that's what it is that they're trying to grapple with, is how is it that the benefit of Jesus leaving us in that, not having Jesus in sort of that bodily form, how is it that the benefit could be better or worth Jesus leaving? And Jesus is trying to tell them, it is worthwhile for me to go up there. And so he says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate that word another is um some people that you know when you look at what people uh commentaries well all a commentary is is what someone else through history has read through and other people have looked at it some some ways that people describe that is it's like an alter ego it's referring to an alter ego of jesus that's maybe not the best way of explaining it i, I don't know that i have a the right way of explaining it either. But but the idea is it's it's not an another separate from Jesus. It's that what it is that they value about Jesus and their relationship with Jesus, that it's another of a same kind or another of the same type. That that what they value about this relationship that they've had with Jesus in bodily form that we read about in the gospels, the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples, what's valuable about that relationship is going to be found in the exact same way in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's good news. Now, you may think it's sort of the same thing for the disciples, so it's neither here nor there. It, it is better for the disciples too, but it's really good news for us because what it means is that as we read through the Gospels and we're been reading through them and we see the relationship that Jesus has and we can see the value of that, that same relationship is being offered to us through this baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will interact with us and will have the same results, the same things that the disciples valued that Jesus brought about in their relationship with them. The Holy Spirit is going to work in that exact same way. It's like Jesus and the physical body work to develop these things of value that they are afraid they're going to lose. And then the exact same way Jesus and the Holy Spirit is going to develop those in us. So we can have, in a real sense, whatever it was that is of true value in the relationship that the disciples, that we read about in the Gospels, about the disciples that, that as it developed with Jesus. And he says that, It'll help you and be with you forever. And that's something he's going to continue to explain, the, the be with them part. But then he gives a declaration. He says the, the spirit of truth. See, one of the things that they valued about Jesus, it wasn't just that Jesus was in a human form. That's valuable. That's significant, that God came down from heaven and became one of us and joined himself to us by becoming a human being like us. And, and 
and intertwined the the who God is and the destiny of what Jesus is going to with us so that he could save us. But what they're looking at here is the sort of relationship or, or the value that they've found in this Jesus in human form. And, and what they found when they interacted with Jesus that was a value was that they finally found a person that they felt was telling them the truth. And that's a unique thing. Because the way it works in the world is, it's all the way it works with the devil from the beginning of time, it's not that the devil just always tells lies. It's that the devil tells truth mixed with lies. And that's the way that the whole world is. That's the way every human is. No one is just telling lies. The lie isn't about just only a lie. It's that it's truth mixed with a lie. And, you know, we keep searching for, there's this deep, need in our hearts to know the truth and we keep hoping to attach it to something else but the problem is is everything that we attach it to you know we keep hoping to find truth maybe in, i don't know no one actually tries I, I don't think anyone's actually trying to find truth in politics anymore there's maybe a time when that is but it's not to say anything bad about to all politics is is just people and what people do is you can't get just the truth. What you get is truth mixed with lies. And that doesn't matter who that is. I mean, you hear this a lot. I don't know. This is probably a bad place for me. It's like, you know, we're not following science or something like that. There's nothing to do. It's just that we're talking about people. But what that betrays is, is that we keep wanting to find some place where we will find truth, just truth that's not mixed with any kind of lie. And they had that sense of finding Jesus was them finally finding that. And it's not that you can't find truth somewhere else. And, and that was a, probably a bad example. I, I shouldn't have used that. But I'm just saying we want part of what we value and that we feel like we need is some sort of relationship, some sort of avenue where we can see truth clearly without any lies. And what we read about in the Gospels is about them feeling as though they found that in Jesus, and they valued that, and they didn't want to lose that. And what Jesus is trying to tell them and telling us as we read it is that in the exact same way we can find that in the Holy Spirit. Now, now how is it that the disciples found that? Uh, if you look here, Jesus even points to that. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives, the word there is um, sort of beside you. He's pointing to, I'm beside, you know, because you've interacted with me. And then he says, and I will be in you and will be in you. We'll talk about that in a second. But what he's pointing to is that, look, what the, the Holy Spirit is going to provide us with truth. What's awesome about it is this sense of finally getting to some sort of truth on things. 
And, and how does the Holy Spirit do that? He says, it's the exact same way that you would read about the disciples doing it. Well, how did the disciples do that? They went and asked Jesus. Jesus would tell them things, and most of the things that Jesus would tell them, they just really didn't understand. And this is an example of it. They just really didn't understand that. But they had this faith. They just felt like Jesus did know and that Jesus would open it up to them. And so they went to Jesus and sort of trusted that they could figure out that he would help them understand what the truth is. And we have that available to us. Now, if you don't believe in God, and you know, th then obviously you would never do that. <laughs> but if you believe in Jesus, and you believe Jesus is our Savior, and you believe what Jesus has said, that the Holy Spirit is now in us, what that means is that we can just ask in the same way the disciples did. And, and that's, you know, part of the reason why we, you know, I know for me, I just think, man, it'd be so much better to be with Jesus as the disciples would. That's because I'm assuming that I would follow Jesus as the disciples follow Jesus. But what Jesus is bringing out here is, look, just because he was in bodily form didn't necessarily mean that they were going to come to him to find truth. That's just what the disciples did. But tons of other people just came to him, he says, to just get the free bread that he put out. He says, you're only coming to me because I fed you the last time. And other people, even though Jesus came in the physical form, they just rejected him. People cried out, crucified. They killed Jesus in the bodily form. So just Jesus in the bodily doesn't mean this, but he's saying, that what they had grabbed a hold of with Jesus is the same thing that we can grab a hold of, and the way in which they grabbed a hold of that truth is the same way that we can now grab a hold of it if we believe in Jesus and believe what he said, that the Holy Spirit is in us. It means we can just ask the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, we just I know for myself, I just realized, I'm trying to figure out what the truth is of something, but I haven't even bothered to ask the Holy Spirit to let me know. I've just been assuming that I'm going to figure it out on my own by Googling a bunch of stuff. I'm assuming that I'm going to figure out the tr truth by me being able to sort of decipher between, you know, the truth and the lies and all that. And the truth is I'm just not able to do that. And no one's able to do that. But that truth, if we're searching for it, he says, you can get it the same way as the disciples got it, which was they just went and asked Jesus, help us understand this. And, and we can do the same thing. And, and we don't have to. There's not like we don't need to, you know, like there's some sort of demand to do that. But it's a value that is available to us insofar as we want to grab a hold. Ask the Holy Spirit to let us know what the truth is. And, you know, you may think that's subjective. I mean, everything's subjective. That's part of the problem. But it's that sense of coming to understand. I really see what God is talking about here, that what they came to understand with Jesus, we'll see in a second what that is, the teaching. But that sense of finding truth, they found that with Jesus. They didn't want to let go of it. And he's saying nothing's going to change with that, that this gift of the Holy Spirit 
will produce that same confidence in moving forward. And then he says, sort of the second aspect, he says, but you know him for he lives in you and he will be in you. Uh, he's explaining to them why this is going to be a game changer. Because before what they had that they were holding on to was, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, here's Jesus and here's them. And Jesus would go around and do these things, and they would sort of follow as Jesus did these things. It's sort of like this. They would follow. And that's the exact same thing that had always been there in the Bible. God, his presence, it's not just the body of Jesus. It's about the presence of God, following the presence of God, following the work of God, participating in what it is that God's doing. That's what happened. And how that happened throughout the Old Testament, because he's about to connect to that, is that Say, for instance, with what we read about in Exodus, there would be a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud. It would be something visible. And that would be the visible presence of God, and God would move through the wilderness, and all of Israel followed. And Jesus was the best of that, because Jesus is the clearest representation of who God is. And Jesus, and they would follow, and they didn't want to lose that aspect of it. But Jesus says, nothing is going to be lost. It's actually going to be better. Because instead of this, there was times when Jesus would be here, and then they would have to go off and find food, and then they would come back, and he'd be talking to someone. And they had sort of, there was a disconnect. There, there, there's lots of Jesus would be out here by himself praying, and they would have to go find him. Uh, they, they, he would send them off on a boat, and they, Jesus would come to them in the boat. There was constantly these moments of, of some sort of separation that was there, but it was still good because Jesus, they were following. He's saying, the reason why this is going to be better is because now I'm going to be here and you're here and I'm actually going to be, it's going to be like this now everywhere. And it's not just going to be like this for one person, but it's going to be like this for everybody that believes. So what that means is, now that whatever it is that was of value in the disciples coming to Jesus, now that which is of value is going to be found inside of every person that believes in Jesus. That's great news, especially considering the fact that they killed Jesus and rejected Jesus. And we do that all the time. We reject, we sort of kill off our but there's going to be thousands of more people that believe in Jesus that are going to come bringing the same thing over. It's like, it's unstoppable now. It's like that which is a value in Jesus is now multiplied in terms of everyone who believes. And it's accessible now to us in that way. And so that's a huge value, not just for us, but even for the disciples. And that there's no longer going to ever be any kind of separation there. It's always going to be there. In other words, what I just said, you know, they had to go and ask Jesus. You know, Nicodemus would come and come in that and, and talk, and then he would talk to Jesus. But what it means is that wherever we are, whatever the circumstances, even if we're locked up in a prison cell, we can come to Jesus and ask him just as the disciples did. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. 
It's about finding someone who believes in Jesus. And if they believe in Jesus and the promise that Jesus is giving is that now we have acts, their Holy Spirit is there because that person is there. If they believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there and we can access the Holy Spirit, access what the disciples valued in Jesus through that person. It's like a, um, a focal point, you might say. In the same way, that the Israel had thought, had felt the presence of God, what Moses had asked for, that the presence of God would stay with them and that the presence of God was in the tabernacle and the presence of God was in the Holy of Holies in the temple and why people would come to those places to be able to access the He says, now you don't have to go anywhere. It's there. What, what it is in this is now just in there, in us. And so it's accessible in a way that it's never been before. And then he says, on that day you will realize that, oh, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. I mean, that's basically what we're talking about, is the orphan... Um, Look, I had friends that were orphaned, even though they had parents, because it was just clear their parent didn't love them. It's not necessarily just a reference to someone has died and you can't act. It's a, it's a reference to not being able to access that love, which is what he's getting. He says, look, I'm not going to allow there to be a separation. You're not going to have a moment where you're separated from my love. There's nothing that you can do. When it's like this, I could end up going this way and find myself completely separated from Jesus. I, I could walk to the end of the earth and be separated from Jesus. But if it's this, then there's no way for it to be. He says, you'll never, you never need to, there's never going to be a rational justification to feel a separation. We we think that different things are separating us from God, but that is not true. If you believe in Jesus, believe that we need forgiveness for our sins, believe that that forgiveness can be found in Jesus, believe that we need a Savior, believe that that Savior is Jesus, then the promise is the Holy Spirit will be there inside of us. And there will never be any moment where we're orphaned or we're separated from, from that love. And that's what they're worried about. He says, before long, uh, on that day, you will realize that, verse 20, I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. No, he brings something up there about the Father and about him, and then brings up this word, uh, commands, plural. And Jesus, throughout this discussion, has said over and over multiple times, this is what I command you, that you love one another, which everybody knows Jesus themselves, that it's something that had come up often as Jesus was walking and talking with people, is what's the summation of all of the commands of God and not just the commands of God, but what's the summation of the entire Bible that they had at their access, the, what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, all the law and the prophets, 
what's the summation of this written word of God. The summation of this written word of God is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so when he's saying, this is what I command you, he's not necessarily telling them something new. He's just, what he's not doing is he's not counseling them to change the way that they view their salvation, that they had viewed their salvation by that if I do these good things right, then I will be saved. That has never resulted in anyone being saved outside of Jesus. Jesus did things right, and as a result, but no other person has been saved based on doing the right thing. And so what we find in our salvation with Jesus is we can't do that. We need another way to be saved, and that other way is through forgiveness. He's not telling them that now we go back to that old way. What he's saying is, is I'm putting my name on, I'm claiming that whole thing. And what he's referring to is he's saying the entire Bible, everything that you have accessible to you in terms of the written word of God that we've been reading through, he's saying, I'm telling you that's all about me. And that's all about what it is that you've been experiencing in this personal interaction with me, that the entire Bible is about that same thing. And so what he's saying is, is he says, you can know what the Holy Spirit is doing because of this interaction that I've had with the disciples, that we can look and see what, what is it that the Holy Spirit, what is God doing? He's doing the exact same things that we can read about that Jesus was doing with his disciples. And it's not just that, it's the whole Bible. But it's not the Bible in terms of commands that aren't connected to Jesus. Commands that aren't connected to us needing a Savior that needed to die. It's not about commands that are absent from our need. From us. It's about commands that point to our need for a Savior, that point to Jesus. It's when we read through the Bible, not as like a guide that if I do this right or do that right, then everything will be great for my kids. It's about reading through the Bible under the lens of who Jesus is and our need for us as a Savior. And so, sorry, this is a long thing. He says, this is how you can know is the one who is looking for me in all that is written of God and is looking for a Savior. That's the one who's going to love me. Why? Because you love Jesus because we need a Savior and we've discovered that Jesus is our Savior. And he's saying the love that has developed, he goes on, he says, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Saying, look, one of the things that you're holding to is this love that's developed between us, but that isn't necessarily just about a physical body that's there. It's the reason why you found this love is because you've come to Jesus, you've realized you've needed a Savior, and you've come to understand that Jesus is that Savior, that that's something that's growing, and you're coming more and more to understand our need for a Savior, and finding out more and more that Jesus is that Savior. And as that happens, we start to understand how much God loves us, how much God cares for us, 
how much Jesus loves us. And we have this, we love Jesus, Jesus loves us, God loves us. And that's what they were worried that they were going to lose. And Jesus says, it was never based on me, you seeing a human form in that type of interaction. It's always been based on, and even in the case of Jesus' disciples, that sense of love that we've been looking for is coming to us as we realize that we need a Savior. And as that understanding grows in us that we need a Savior, and as we come to see that Jesus is the one saving us, and the Holy Spirit is there in our lives, and he works out that sense of love that we want desperately, that we need, in the same type of way. In the same type of way that Jesus worked it out with them. If Jesus was very clear in helping the disciples understand that they needed a Savior. <laughs> they were constantly saying things like, let's call fire down from heaven and, and consume this village. Jesus rebukes him. He says, look, you need a Savior. You're not right in your thinking, and I'm that Savior. And they were growing as they grew in their understanding of their need for a Savior, as they grew in their understanding that Jesus was that Savior, along with that grew the love that they came to value so much. And the love that we want is accessible to us through the Holy Spirit in the same exact way is one of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do within us and with other people that people will be accessing is not going to be that I'm this great and wonderful person. When someone comes to me to come to Jesus, like I have the Holy Spirit within me, and so they want to access Jesus, they're not going to be accessing me as a good person. That's not going to be there. Part of the Holy Spirit encountering love with them is to me and to everyone else is to see I, this person here, need a Savior. I'm messed up. And the other people is going to make clear to them, you're messed up too. We're here, we're messed up, but Jesus will save us. And Jesus is saving us. And Jesus is working in our life. And the Holy Spirit will work to make that clear. But that does not at all entail people thinking that I'm this wonderful person. That's just not going to happen. We keep thinking that the work of the Holy Spirit entails people coming to this person that they just look at and say, oh, what a holy person this is. That happened with the disciples all the time, as we'll read through, and they were constantly saying, look, I'm just, a, I'm a human being just like you. That don't come to the body part. Come to what it is that is residing within me, which is the Holy Spirit. And what you see, if you see anything good happening that's coming from any direction that has to do with me, it has nothing to do with me. That God has, Jesus has sent down because I need a Savior and he is saving me. And the promise of his salvation is seen in the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that may seem like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. It's like, what was that? It's just to say that as we grow in, in the love for God, it's going to be growing 
in us. There's no way for the love that we have, feeling God's love for us and us loving God, there's no way for that to happen outside of us starting to see more and more and more that it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is not a work of our own. We're not doing things to get God to love us. That's just, we're not doing things to earn that. But the Holy Spirit is here, and the Holy Spirit is made it so we're like this, so that we're inseparable from God's love. So that even though we're messing things up, this whole exterior is just constantly, Paul says, you know, I'm just constantly struggling. This whole exterior is constantly doing things that that I don't want to do and aren't like a reflection of what my heart is. And yet, even though that is the case, the Holy Spirit is there working, doing things, and people will see that. With Jesus, a lot of people, it's not that they thought they killed God. They were just thinking, this is just, they were just looking at the exterior. They thought they were just dealing with humanity, but that wasn't what they were dealing with with God. And it's the same type of thing. He says, look, what's important is that the Holy Spirit is now residing us, and people will access Jesus. And, and they can't, they'll see us, but they'll come to know that it's the Holy Spirit. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He says, then Judas, not Iscariot, which is a, a great little line, because uh, Judas Iscariot is the one who betrayed Jesus or was about to betray Jesus. And, this, and there's another disciple, I think some people think it's a guy named Thaddeus, but whatever, it's, it's a guy with the same name, which is kind of interesting. It's a guy here with the same name as the person that betrayed Jesus, but it's not the same person. He says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? He says, okay, I, I get what you're saying, that for us, everything that we access with you is going to be the same. But isn't it better? Isn't it? Aren't people going to be more swayed by you? You know, if when you are walking here on earth, and talking to people in a bodily form, that seems to be more that seems to be more valuable to everybody else. So even if you say things are the same for us, what about everyone else? Isn't it going to be better there? Now he's obviously saying this, knowing, or he's about to find out that the people who saw him here in bodily form that wasn't necessarily any more persuasive because they all started yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. He probably, he, he didn't understand that quite then. He would come to understand it. But here he's just saying, look, isn't Jesus in the bodily form better for everyone else, better for people coming to understand God's love? And Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love them and we'll come to them and make our home with them. He repeats again the thing that Judas, not Iscariot, is asking the question about. And so he says, look, I had said this before, and now you see it's going to be the same for you, but, but what about everyone else? And then he answers that. He says, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And all this I have spoken while with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said or, or done. He says, now, uh, it is true that what this is an example of, or the example of this happening, is that the disciples walked and talked with Jesus, and then these letters, that these what we're reading here, the Gospels, is their account where they wrote down later. They didn't write it down right at the moment. It wasn't like they were creating a journal at the moment. What happened was they encountered all these experiences of Jesus, and then because the Holy Spirit was in them, one of the jobs that the Holy Spirit did was taught them by helping them, by, by calling to remembrance this instance of something that happened with Jesus. And, and so what each of the disciples were writing or what's being written in the Gospels is those things that they had valued about Jesus and the Holy Spirit calling those instances to remembrance and then passing it on to us in written form. And the Holy Spirit was, was doing that. And that's why we treat the New Testament and the Gospels as God's Word, because it was real events of people who walked and talked with Jesus, of their experience of Him in the bodily form, and the Holy Spirit calling those things to remembrance. And, and so it is true that, that that's what's being talked about here. That That's an example of what's being talked about here. And it's also true that no one else is, you know, Joseph Smith or someone else didn't walk and talk with the bodily form of Jesus. Paul says, I was alive during that time. It's not continuing. That witness is closed. That is also true. But what Jesus is saying here is something that is applicable to everyone who is baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about it in that sense. And so what he's saying is, is that what you valued with me, what you came to understand, was me teaching. But what was Jesus teaching? A lot of times it was just Jesus talking about things in Scripture that they already knew, but he was helping them to come to understand the truth of it. And, and so part of what the teaching was, was about Jesus bringing to remembrance something that was said in the Old Testament and, and then helping them understand what was going on. And, and many times in the Bible, Jesus tosses and he says, look, you don't understand what I'm talking about now, but you will understand later. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is, one, we can ask the Holy Spirit to understand. But just as with Jesus, a lot of what the disciples, when they came, they didn't understand it till later. Some other events needed to happen. And so, so they didn't necessarily, as soon as they came to Jesus, didn't, sometimes he explained it and they understood it. But a lot of, and that's the same way for the Holy Spirit. A lot of the teaching, a lot of what we want in terms of understanding the truth is something that the Holy Spirit is going to open up to us and is going to cause us to remember. And you can see that this is something that, that also occurs in our day-to-day -day life, that a lot of the work of the Holy Spirit in us is you'll be talking to someone, and they'll be going through something, and there's a huge temptation that we all have to talk about, well, I did this, and I did that, you know, I always talk about this, this is what I did to cure poison oak or something like that, 
And all that is neither here nor there. It's truth mixed with lies. But every once in a while, something will pop into your head, a story about Jesus. And this is partly why we're reading through the Bible. It's not so much that we're going to understand it right then. A lot of what we read in the Bible, the understanding doesn't come to us right then. We're just thinking, I don't understand what's going on. But I guarantee you that story or one of these stories is going to come up at some other point, and it'll pop into our head, and we will gain an understanding about a situation based on that that's important for us. But it will also be how other people access that. There will be things a story about Jesus that if we can tell the person or explain to someone. And what this teaching is about is we always think of it as something new that we didn't know. But what most of it is, is something that we did know, but we didn't understand. And so, and the basis of that is, look, everyone knows we need help. It's not like you tell someone we need a Savior. I mean, a lot of people are going to say, oh, no, we don't need a Savior. I don't need saving. And we'll say blah, blah, blah. Truth mixed with lies. That's just the way we talk. We all, I do that. You do that. Everybody does that. You can't really gauge too much from our blah, 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 because our blah, blah, blah is always truth mixed with lies. But inside, in that moment where God is meeting us in our heart, we know what the truth is. And the truth is, I need forgiveness. I've messed up. I know that the truth is I need help. And regardless of what I'm saying or other people are saying, what Jesus is pulling out is something that we all know deep in our heart is the truth, which is I need to be saved. And what he's teaching us is, is God's been offering us that salvation, and that salvation comes through forgiveness, a forgiveness that's possible because someone, Jesus, because God came down and paid the price for all of our messed upness so that God is now completely free to forgive us, and God is completely free because of what Jesus has done to have a relationship now with us because of Jesus that is inseparable. It can't be separated. And that's the wonderful part of the Holy Spirit. We can come to the Holy Spirit just as they came to Jesus. That love that they had with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is fostering that love. And the message, the teaching is the same as with Jesus, the same as throughout the entire Bible, is speaking to that truth that we know in our heart that we know we need a Savior and helping us to understand that hope that comes through the promise of God, that Jesus is the only one offering us the kind of forgiveness that we need, which is unconditional, completely unattached to any us turning around and getting things right. The salvation that he's offering is completely detached from that. It's only attached to us just believing, believing that we need a Savior, and believing that God has promised us that Savior, and believing that that Savior is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to bring that out in us personally, as Jesus did with the disciples. So we'll be growing in that. But it's also to be a beacon of that hope to 
everyone else. And, and much of that understanding and seeing that is tied to the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. The Jesus that we read about in the New Testament. The Jesus that we read about in the Old Testament. He's constantly going to be pointing us to God's word because this is God's promise so that then we can understand and, and, and see what's happening in the truth of what's happening in our life through that lens. Uh, let's pray. And, you know, we haven't done this in a while, and I know it's on Zoom. But if you there's something in your heart that was stirring where you just uh, you felt like Jesus was telling me, you, I, that you do need a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior and you, you would like to make that commitment to him, to follow him on that basis. Uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that right now. You can pray uh, with me as we close. Jesus, all of us that believe in you, believe that, that we need forgiveness for our sins, that, that we need a Savior that, that had to die for us because of the results of the way we've just messed things up so badly. And we believe in the promise that you've given us that that forgiveness can be found in Jesus. And Lord, for those that are saying this for the first time, asking for forgiveness of sins and finding that forgiveness for sins in Jesus, we pray that you would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you would baptize them in the Holy Spirit as you have done to all of us who have believed. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.